So I'm going to try to uh, try to bring up some writings from Madogen at the beginning of this year and uh, see if we can digest that slowly. It can be heavy at times. So, about 800 years ago, at <coughs> the beginning of the year 1241, Dogen entered the Dharma Hall and said, Today is the beginning of a new year, and also a day with three mornings. I say three mornings because this is the beginning of the year, beginning of the month, and beginning of the day. A day of new beginning, a moment, fresh moment of new beginning. Yesterday, some of you were here, we got together to celebrate the new beginning of what we all agreed to call 2016. And a couple of days ago, we all agreed that it was still the year of 2015. And that must come to an end before 2016 can begin. And on one level, that makes sense, right? It's Changing. Something is changing, the season, the, the date, the hour, the calendar. But if you look a little deeper into this conventional and fragmented view, as we should in the practice, it begins to lose its common validity. And then we start to, or it starts to pixelate in front of our eyes. So it brings up a question for us, where, where does the previous, what we call previous, disappear to? Or where does what we call end, where does what we call new or current, comes from? Does time itself really have segments, or is it just the way we choose to see it for the sake of self-preservation, so we can function in a segmentless reality? We gotta function. We gotta say today is Sunday and tomorrow I gotta work. And I have to be at work at eight o'clock. Right? And we check the weather and there are many things that we do that seem to be segmented. But then we lose ourselves into those segments. Beneath this hoopla around the, the superficial layer of New Year celebrations, there is an underlying element, I think there is, that touches us deeply and can act as a reminder of reality that renews itself moment after moment, as Dogen says. It's a day of three mornings. Yeah, I think that this is also at this call official time, I think this is a, a, an opportunity and we get a glimpse of what it feels like to actually let go of the personal and heavy baggage we brought with us to this moment and actually take a fresh and light step into what is new, what is really new. We do get a sense of what it feels like to be, to be free of what's binding us and merge with a continuum that has no past, no present, and no future. 
In fact, be the continuum that has no past, no present, and no future. And that's very difficult because of the many segments we find ourselves in. So this beginning could be a great opportunity for us to wake up and to avoid falling into the gap, right, that we ourselves create and tap into the, to that which is gapless, timeless, spaceless, right? The power to, to change obviously does not come from a change of a, a digit in the calendar. Although we think we do, we, we, we think we have power by announcing, this year I'm going to take on those responsibilities, I'm going to make changes, I'm going to create changes, and I decide to do that because it is a new year. It may work, but it doesn't work because there is something that appears at the beginning of 2016. It works because we recognize, inherently, recognize what's there, regardless of the year, the day, <coughs> the time, the week, the segment. It is fascinating to observe time in our relationship with it. But what is time? From the moment we wake up until the moment we go to sleep, it is intimately laced through our existence as we structure the day, the month, the year, and our entire lifespan. It appears in our speech countless times a day, and we use it to measure, quantify, and judge every aspect of our lives. Time is such an integrated part of our lives, and yet, when looking for it, when you look for it, you cannot encounter it directly. You can't put your finger on it. Something that is so important for us, we should be able to point at it, to see directly. We can only experience the way time manifests with the changes we encounter day by day, season by season, right? You look outside, you see what time does, but you don't see time. You only see its effect or effects. You see it in the constant renewal and decay we're all surrounded by and through the way it manifests in our own bodies. When you look in the mirror, year after year, you see changes. You look at a picture, an old picture from 20 years ago. There's what time does, but you don't see time. Any attempt to observe time will have to rely on an assumption that there is a gap between that which, we, that which is being observed and that which does the observation. So, for us, if we want to observe time, we need to begin with an assumption that what we call me is separated from what we call time. Wanting to, call, to look for time, we'll have to begin from there. 
But how about looking one step before that? How about examining this assumption and asking ourselves, where is the gap between you, between each of us, and what we call time? Or is there a gap at all? In his fascicle titled Uji, Dogen wrote about time in relation to the most fundamental teachings of Buddhism. Anatta, which means no separate existence or no self, and Anika, which means, which translates to impermanence. The title itself, Uji, consists of two separate characters, U, which can be translated as being, and G, which can be translated as time. Put together, the title of this fascicle can be read as being time or just for the time being. Now, when you look at this title, you know, you may get, or we may get the sense that Dogen is delving into a philosophical exploration of time. But this is, of course, this is not, or this was not the purpose of his writings. Zen masters in our tradition are always, have always been encouraging us to disengage from limited philosophical speculations and move towards realizing spiritual truth, which lies beyond the reaches of mere mentation, beyond thinking. The point here is to present time as time and being as two separate aspects of the same thing, which is the interrelationship of Anika the ever-changing flow of time, and anatta, the absence of any fixed self. Right? Nothing exists unto itself and constant change. One thing. In other words, time is nothing but being, and being is nothing but time. Which means you, your being, is nothing but For the purpose of this exploration, Dogen used a poem by Yakusan Igen, an 8th century Chinese master who was a disciple of Shitu. You may remember, or some of you may remember, that Shitu was the author of the Sandokai, the sameness and differences that we chanted this morning. So the poem, standing atop soaring mountain peak is for the time being and plunging down to the flow of the ocean's abyss is for the time being. Being triple-headed and eighth-arm is for the time being. And being a figure of a Buddha standing 16 feet tall or sitting 8 feet high is for the time being. Being amongst traveling staff or a ceremonial hosu is for the time being and being a pillar supporting the temple or stone lantern for the meditation hall is for the time being. Being a next door neighbor or a man in the street is for the time being. And being the whole of the great earth and boundless space is for the time being. Time being and being time. For the time being is not the connotation that comes up when we hear this. It's not 
just stick around for a while because there's something else happening afterwards. It is always just for the time being. Because being is time. And that's difficult to grasp through thought, through mentation. Now the images that are brought up in this verse may seem a little foreign to us, but what we need to understand is that they emerge out of the time period that it was written. And the practice tradition which needs to be brought to life in light of reality in the 21st century. So it's not that we have to abandon that, we just have to see it based on our reality. Standing atop a soaring mountain, the beginning of this verse, is referring to one who has realized his or her own Buddha nature, true nature, and lives accordingly at all times. Standing and sitting are references to the four bodily postures, standing, walking, sitting, or, and reclining. The first two represent active modes, the latter two passive ones. That is, whether one is inwardly or outwardly active, whether one is awake or asleep, is all for the time being. And being triple-headed and eight-armed is a description of several guardian beings who protect Buddhist temples and their trainees. So again, this emerged out of a time period and a tradition. For us, what's important is to see that what's happening here is a way of pointing to the continuous or continuum that manifests itself through all instances, regardless of the way they appear. Standing up, walking, driving, eating, sleeping. Wherever you find, whatever you find yourself doing, wherever you find yourself, Whatever state of mind you are experiencing, however life feels like at any given moment, all that is just a manifestation of a segmentless reality we call time. That's how time shows up. Moment by moment, day by day, through, laced through all our activities. In fact, gives life to everything we do. I'm going to try and read a little bit from this fascicle and will try my best to, to shed light on it. But we need to remember that Dogen, as many other great masters, was trying his best to use words to describe what he realized through the depths of his own enlightenment, while knowing very well that the only way each of us can truly understand it is through our own practice and realization, through our own hard work, diligent work. Dogen kept reminding his disciple that his teachings are based on a practice tradition and kept warning them and us to avoid the temptation to try to figure out the Buddha Dharma solely through the use of the intellect. When we read some of Dogen's writing, we can see why he was later called a mystical realist. Mystical realist. There was that, but it was all anchored in reality. It all came out of reality, word by word. 
And although his words sound lofty, they are deeply anchored in your life, our lives, 21st century. The beginning of the year 2016 is not different than 1241. It's just a different number. So, from Uji, since we human beings are continually arranging the bits and pieces of what we experience in order to fashion a whole universe, we must take care to look upon this welter of living beings and physical objects as sometime, quote-unquote, sometime things. Things do not go about hindering each other's existence any more than moments of time get in each other's way. As a consequence, the intention to train the bodhicitta, right, that, uh, that must arise in us and has arisen in us, otherwise we will not be here, right? The intention to train arises at the same time in different beings. And this same intention may also arise at different times. And the same applies to training and practice, as well as to realizing the way. In a similar manner, we are continually arranging bits and pieces of what we experience in order to fashion them into what we call a self. But essentially, those bits and pieces are not separated from one another, which means we are not separated from those bits and pieces, but not segmented as a whole, as a continuum. So what we call self comes out of an illusion of separateness. An illusion of a gap between I have no time, Right? That's how we create. I have time, I have no time. Nobody has time. How do you have what you are? How can it have itself? It all goes back to that. It's impossible. And yet, we do it. We do it. <clears throat> he says, this is the same as the principle of we ourselves are just for a time. Because of this very principle of the way things are, the earth in its entirety, has myriad forms and hundreds of things sprouting up, each sprout and each form being a whole earth, a point which you should incorporate into your study and the way. And the recognition of the coming and going of things in this manner is a first step in training and practice. When you reach such a, such a fertile field of seeing the way things really are, then the earth in its entirety will be one whole sprouting, one whole form. At that moment, you recognize that nothing has ever been separate, separated from anything else. At that moment, you realize that it's always been this way. It always is this way. It has been this way before it has sprouted. So sprouting or not sprouting, it doesn't matter. <clears throat> he says it will be comprised of forms that you recognize and forms that you do not recognize. 
sprouting that you recognize and sproutings that you do not. It is the same as the time we refer to in from time to time, which contains all forms of existence and all worlds. So then he says, so take a moment to look around and consider whether there is any form of being that is any world that does not or does find expression in this very moment of time. Meaning, is there anything that's missing at any given moment? Whether there is a one day apart or a thousand years apart, what's missing? What could be missing in a continuum? What could be stepping out and step back, stepping back into a continuum? It's not that it contains everything, it is everything. Which means we are everything. The phrase for the time being implies that time in its totality is what existence is. And that existence, in all its occurrences, is what time is. Thus, being a golden body, 16 foot tall, refers to a time. And because it is a time, its time will have a wondrous luminosity. A point that we will be studying and learning about during the present 24 hours. Being one with three heads and eight arms also refers to a time. And because it is time, it will be one and the same as the present 24 hours. Granted that we may not yet have measured the length of these 24 hours <coughs> as to whether they are ever so long or so short. Still, we speak of them as the 24 hours of the day. The traces of time having come and gone are clear. So people do not doubt that these hours have occurred, right? You know that yesterday you did something and today you're not doing it. But though people have no doubt about having time occurred, the past may be something that they have not known through their direct experience. And just because sentient beings are always having their doubts about anything and everything, Anything and everything that they have not yet directly experienced does not mean that what they may have previously doubted is the same as what they have now no doubts about. There's a lot to take in. For doubts themselves are merely just for the moment kinds of time and nothing more. So, trusting or doubting all are just for the time being. The difference between trusting something or doubting something has more to do with the experience of reality, but not with reality itself. Because reality itself is a continuum, and us, as, a, as part of, real, of that reality, does not change. But again, the way we experience it does change. And if we measure everything based on the way we experience it, we run into problems. We create problems. Because it doesn't feel this way. I don't feel realized. I feel very deluded. I feel stupid. I feel small. It's all 
just for the time being, as Dogen says. This doubt, there is a story about a doubting monk who asked, once asked Joshi, how can I practice 24 hours a day? And Joshi said, do not be used by the 24 hours of the day. Right? So when we create 24 segments of what we call a day, and then a separate existence that needs to function in these segments, we very quickly become slaves of time. Right? And it always seems as if we are running out of it, as if we fluctuate between wanting to hold on to what feels like good times and wanting to speed through and discard of what feels like rough times or not good times. And as long as we hold on to an illusion of separation between anatta and anika, and as long as we do not realize time and being as one, life seems heavy, stagnant, right? difficult, thick. Time feels like an obstacle or a limitation that we have to learn to live with, cope with. To not be used by the 24 hours of the day, as Joshua says, would mean to merge and ride the continuum without creating a fixed sense of self, separated off it, from it. It means to be that. In the same way that a wave is just something we call the way the water appears. There is no such thing as we can call wave. Wave is the water. Water is the wave. The ocean is not separated to waves and not waves. It's just the way it appears. So, so to see a drop that is separated does not mean that it's not the entire ocean. It is the entire ocean. Its essence is the same as our essence and time. And it says, time is the virtue of continuity. It continuously flows from today to what we are talking about, what we're talking about today to a tomorrow, from a today to a yesterday. It doesn't make sense. From a yesterday to a today, it flows from a today to a today, from a tomorrow to a tomorrow. Because continual, continuous flows, continuous flow is a function of time. Past and present times do not pile atop each other, right? They do not form what we think they form. Nor do they form an accumulative line. It doesn't work this way. It's not linear. In the world today, we structure time by segments, he says, which we name, for instance, the hours of the horse or the hours of the goat. Well, not today for us, but back then today. Now, uh, Chinese calendar, this means the Chinese calendar is based on a cycle of 12 years, as we know, right? They were presented by 12 animals. They also divide the 24 hours of the day into 12 segments of two, which are also represented by the same 12 animals. So the examples that brings, he brings here, the hours of the horse would be 9 a.m. until 1 p.m. No, 9 a.m. to 11 p.m., sorry. And then the hours of the goat would be 11 p.m. until 1 
11 a.m. until 1 p.m., I'm sorry. So it is segmented in this way. So what he's saying is, you know, what you call 1 o'clock or 1 p.m. is not before or after what you call 12 or 2. It is the same way as 3 or 4 or 5, 2016, 2015, 1241. One flow. And then he says, be that as it may, these segments are merely, are merely persistent fluctuations in the here and now of thoughts and things which arise and fall. And being an ordinary creature is also for the time being as is being a Buddha. To universally penetrate the whole universe by means of the whole universe is called com complete realization. So for us to give proof to, uh, of a golden body 16 foot tall by our attaining a golden body 16 foot tall is to manifest our initial spiritual intention. Right? Even at the stage where it would seem that you have taken a false step, as we do sometimes, we feel like we mess up, we feel like, well, last year I did not do so well, so, well, so I failed in my attempt to keep the practice going. Right? So he says, even at those moments, this condition will be a state of being. Further, further, should you leave the matter at this your condition will still constitu constitute a persistence of a time being, which will include both a before and an after of this having taken a false step. So that's not a segment of, I messed up. It's just something to acknowledge and keep moving. It's not something to create a self out of. A self that is a failure, as we often do. And then he says, dealing with thoughts and things while they persist, like a fish darting through the water, is indeed what time just for the time being is all about. So do not be upset over what is not, and do not be pressured by what is. Do not be upset by what is not and do not be pressured by what is. Let it be just as it is and recognize that as it is, nothing is missing. Nothing can be missing. These are all wonderful, radiant words for us, right? This is, this is amazing. Maybe a little difficult to understand at times, but I think we recognize that those are words of wisdom. Right? That by themselves, they have no power. And this is where the practice comes in. Right? The true meaning and the true power of our wisdom tradition come, always comes down to each of us as we encounter daily challenges and work through them with the strength of our disciplined practice. Disciplined practice. Because without discipline, nothing happens. Or it happens, but we don't know it's happening. We're too busy concocting something, holding on to something. 
And this is what we have to do every day, every moment, attend to the practice. So the moments we feel stuck, we need to remind ourselves that we are nothing but a continuum that has no fixed position of being stuck, that cannot be stuck. Feeling stuck does not mean we are stuck. How do we do that? How do we not get pulled into the habitual ways of thinking? Right? So when we fall into the familiar pattern of behavior, and we do fall into those patterns, quite often. A 17th century Japanese Zen master named Takuan Soho wrote letters to his friend, the famous sword master Musashi. In one of his letters he addressed this issue of fixating the mind in relation to a combat situation, but the principle he brings up is relevant to all walks of life for us. So he says, if one puts his mind in the action of his opponent's body, his mind will be taken by the action of his opponent's body. If one puts his mind in his opponent's soul, his mind will be taken by his opponent's soul. If one puts his mind in thoughts, in the thoughts of his opponent, the thoughts of his opponent will be what's taking his own mind. And that's where he will get stuck. If one puts his mind in his own intentions of not being stuck, those intentions will make him stuck. So what this means is that there is no place to put the mind. Right? And then he says, a certain person once says, no matter where I put my mind, my intentions are held in check in the place where I place my mind, where I put my mind. And I lose to my opponent because of that. Because I fixate my mind on one thing. Because of that, he says, I place my mind just below my navel. So I do not let it wander. Thus, I'm able to change according to the actions of my opponent. Now, to fix it, the mind is to step out of the continuum, right? To create something that, an illusion that is not the continuum. To create anything fixed is to step out of the continuum. <clears throat> and that's what Dogen speaks of in this Uji, right? And to engage to really be a part of that continuum or, or to allow the continuum to, to, to guide us, to take us, is to not fixate on anything or any one thought and to keep moving. Right? So, through the practice of awareness, we may have a chance to intercept this automatic process of fixating. And it is automatic process. And we can remain in the flow Appreciate life as it comes without taking any of it personally because there is no person. Because nothing is a segment. Right? So, and I think that this could be a bit confusing for us because we encounter at times advice like single-minded attention. Right? And this seems to be negating single-minded attention. But to truly understand single-minded attention, we have to understand that it does not mean 
to place our attention on one thing. To place attention on one thing means to place attention in, on no thing. In or on nothing. So then we can keep moving. So nothing grabs us. So then we don't lose to life. We become life. And that's how we master it. That's how we become the masters or the master. And then it takes practice, it takes continuous practice because of the habits. Because we very quickly <coughs> goes back to the pattern. And that's where we stop. Any thought that we stay with will snatch us, will grab us, will steal us. Any thought. As I was putting this together, I was I just thought about this uh, movie that we watched a while ago. Maybe you watched it. It's called About Time. And a couple lines in that that I remember. It was about the guy who uh, he, was, he was probably in his uh, mid twenties, and uh, when he reached that age, it was just about to. It was an English movie. It was just about to head out to London to begin his new job, first job, as a lawyer. And uh, his father told him that uh, the men in the, in the family have a secret or talent. They can travel in time. And then he told him at some point in the movie, he said, his father gave him advice. He said, live every day again almost. So he said, go back every day, go back one day, and leave it again, almost exactly the same. He said the first time with all the tensions and worries that stop us from noticing how sweet the world can be. And then the second time, noticing. So he said, leave a day and then go back and do it again, but notice every little thing that happens. And watch the difference. He actually did that for a while in the movie and you could see the difference, right? All the, the, the grumpiness disappeared because he paid attention the second time. The first time, there's one part that he, he went to court with his friend and he was getting very short and grumpy about something and then he wasn't noticing how his friend was getting very upset and very... Uh, worried about something was going on and then the second time he actually paid attention he was able to create change in the situation which was which was beautiful because he made something that appeared to be negative much more positive because he paid attention so he did that for a while and then at some point he said and in the end, I think I learned the final lesson from my travels in time. And I've even gone one step further than my father did. He said, the truth is, I now don't travel back at all, not even for one day. I just try to live every day as if I've deliberately come back to this one day to enjoy it. As if it was the full final day of my extraordinary, ordinary life. 
maybe we can change that to the full beginning day of my extraordinary, ordinary life. Right? The day with three mornings, as Dogen says. A new beginning, moment by moment. And all it takes is just paying attention. And what he's talking about is actually accessible to all of us if we deliberately choose to enter the flow rather than to resist it. And to be the flow means to live every single moment with equanimity and with an understanding that there is never another moment. There is never a better moment because there is no other. Because the continuum is not segmented to what we believe it is segmented to. That is the reality. And also there is never another being. There is never a better version, a better day, a better time. Or worse. To enter the flow is to realize that this is always the best there is. So on that day of three mornings, Dogen entered, entered the room, the Dharma Hall, right? He entered the Dharma Hall with this message for us today. And then at the end of that, before he left, he said, now please, please practice. So he ended all this with saying, please practice. Because he knew that without the practice, all that is meaningless. All his words amount to nothing. No, all his words amount to something. And that's where the danger lies. They amount to something. We amount to something. And that's very dangerous. As we can see, as we can read in the news every day. That's how dangerous that is. So let us all do the same thing. Now, at the beginning of year 2016 with the recognition that this, this, as is, contains all we need. And there's no need to hold on to a yesterday or wait for a tomorrow. And it's all happening right now. As he says, just for the time being.